plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. What'd you say? Plus minus. Marcus Thompson. Marcus always telling the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well respected. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back to Warriors Plus Minus, your favorite podcast about Warriors basketball. This is without question because we have superstars on this podcast. None other than the great Anthony Slater and Ethan Strauss and Tim Kawakami and I, Marcus Thompson. We're just here to support our superstars. That's what we do. <laughs> we're distributing the ball. Distribute the ball. Yeah, we, we you know set we up. set great screens. You know, uh, occasionally we hit an open shot, but mostly we're here for the stars, and we have them. You don't win titles without role players. Facts. <laughs> Facts. I need an understanding of the kind of clout that Anthony Slater has, because he starts writing about Jordan Poole and how he might be good for the second unit, and now Jordan Poole's here. So... It went from, yeah, he's going to play the entire G League season there. They'll just stay there and marinate. Now it's Jordan Poole's here. So Slater, what kind of clout do you have? I think Brad Wanamaker might have been a bigger uh, reasoning for this uh, decision. That's crazy, right? Steve Steve was just like, oh, he plays great defense for us. I know you guys focus on scoring, but he played great defense. And it's like, yeah, Jordan, come on, let's go. Some would say that maybe Anthony is very plugged into the ways of the Warriors and their thinking and so sometimes there's a dovetail effect between what he's saying and what they're thinking. Some might think that. Theoretically. And also, by the way, this little deal that Bob Myers and Joe Lacob were in Orlando very recently at the G League bubble watching these games. I'm not saying they were going down there to make sure they could find someone who could replace Brand Wanamaker, but I think Jordan Poole playing very well down there in front of the owner and the, and the general manager and impressing them. No, by the way, Nico Manuel got called up too. I don't remember Slater calling for that one either. So the, his power is somewhat limited. limited. Yeah. Somewhat limited. Or it just got, Nico Manuel got scooped up in the wake of it, which is pretty powerful. But I think if the two things, they were in Orlando. Jordan they, Poole demanded, my friend Nico has to come Nico, too. come on, Manuel. <laughs> Uh, they, they were down there. They were watching. I think there was some, you know, they like Jordan Poole. They've said they've liked Jordan Poole for a long time now. He's playing very well there, and Brad Wanamaker cannot make a shot. Steve Kerr can mention all the things he likes for Brad Wanamaker, but even he says he does have to make shots. Like that, that has to happen, and he cannot make it. He can't make a two-footer. He can't make a three-pointer. That's a problem with that second unit. That's a problem with anybody they're trying to play who can, you know, who's six foot two and cannot make a shot. They're not winning the game defensively in the second unit you know they're winning with that starting lineup i understand their identity is as a defensive team and having a backup point guard who he's a 31 year old you know pretty powerful low center of gravity dude that can guard up positions and can guard point guards and does have quick hands like yeah that's helpful that's helpful to your defensive identity but they can't score in those pockets of the game and they've been losing them consistently and then i think the the second most important thing that has happened recently is wiseman returning has really kind of thrown that second unit into flux and they're kind of starting to to wonder if they need to prioritize Wiseman in that second unit and if you're prioritizing Wiseman having him next to Eric Paschal and with a point guard that doesn't play make at all is not a way to optimize him 
Wanamaker makes plays. It's just for the other team. So his clanks. He's having a yeah. rough week. Yeah, that's a straight. <laughs> yeah. Kicking uh, him while he's down. Uh, I, I, I like Wanamaker. Oh, I like Wanamaker, but my God, he cannot make a shot. It's 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 painful to watch him play offense right now. They don't run pick and roll. Yeah, I mean, he's, like, he's, he's not he's a pick and roll. Too. He can't make a lip. He can't make a lip. It, it's again, he's a solid, solid, thoughtful player. Plays defense. All the things that you like in a player. If you like two-way basketball but you cannot play a six foot two guy who can't make a shot it just that's it's impossible to do that and and expect much success for a six-minute run i mean you got to throw a context with all these stats right i know the moment you start mentioning stats somebody's gonna say oh but that's that this and this that that so take it for what it's worth but for 16 games in the month of february 15 games in the month of february his offensive rate is 95 that's pretty, I mean, geez, that's like 1987 basketball. He wasn't like that in the bubble with the Celtics either. But I mean, again, the bubble. No, no, like, this yeah, is not yeah, who he yeah, was. Yeah. Yeah, this is not who he was. He hasn't been like this for the Celtics. This is what matters the most in this whole, the whole scope of this. He's 31. He's not part of their immediate future. Jordan pulls 21. He's a recent first round pick. He's under contract next season. James Wiseman is obviously part of their future. If you feel like one unit is playing poorly and the other unit you might bring in might play poorly too, which one would you rather have? The one that's young and developing or the one that's led by a 31-year-old who has an offensive rating of 94 in the last month? I also get the impression they like Poole, the coaches who work with him, that they're a believer. They've seen something in practice that we have not seen on an NBA court and maybe now we're seeing on a G League court. So that's a factor as well. I think if, if Poole was somebody who had alienated the coaching staff would be a different story, but instead he's made a mostly favorable impression. And Slater pointed this out, I don't know, it was last week or the week before, I think is a big thing, is there's chemistry with Poole and Wiseman. And that's a good thing for both of them, that you could kind of be seen as a unit at this point and thinking, you know what, if we can make Wiseman better if we play Poole, and, and Poole might be better than Wanamaker anyway. So it's just an easy little click in that, that those are two guys who can play together, who feel comfortable together. They've seen it on the practice court, as Slater says. Then it's an easy little, okay, there's your new second unit kind of hub along with Wiggins and Pascal and, and whoever else they play. But I've seen it. I think Jordan Poole is a guy that everyone kind of likes. So it just helps the chemistry of like, let's get him going. Let's get him in onto the big team. Let's get him minutes. Let's see what he does. He's going to have to perform. But I think that it's just all this momentum towards getting Poole on the court and specifically with Wiseman. And that does not hurt Jordan Poole's candidacy to get some more minutes that he's tied with James Wiseman. Poole shouts, catch the ball when he dumps off the (laughs) pass and Wiseman catches it. It's this genius innovation. Even if Poole doesn't play well, they need to know that. They need information on Jordan Poole. They needed more information on him before they, you know, exercise his third-year option. But, you know, quicker than we think, they're going to have to have a decision on his fourth-year option. And even this summer, if they're remaking their roster, just like, you know, remember they exercised Jacob Evans and Omari Spellman's third-year options and then realized, ah, I don't know if they're part of the future, and, and got them off in a trade. You know, they need to know if they believe in Jordan Poole as an actual helpful creative playmaking rotation piece, basically as a backup guard, combo guard is kind of the, you know, the noise you hear from the Warriors is and not pure point guard, but combo guard that has some creativity. They need to know if he's an NBA level version of that or not before they make big roster decisions with the trade deadline coming up. And then obviously, you know, this summer when, when you remake your roster. So even if he doesn't play well, they need to know that. In a less, obviously far less urgent way for roster purposes, but 
you need to see James Wiseman in different mixes of players because sometimes he looks good with Steph and Draymond. Sometimes he looks terrible with Steph and Draymond. You put him on a second unit, maybe he makes a couple baskets. Sometimes they can't get him the ball. Like anything where they feel like they can unlock some of Wiseman, and I, we can talk about the Laker game where he barely touched the ball. The Lakers were just all over that lob uh, and not letting him anywhere near it. He, he clearly didn't fight to get to the ball. Anything where like, okay, I think with this guard might know where he can go get the angle to the to the dump in or however that's going to work. It's like let's see Wiseman with different pieces of player, different players who are who do have a future with this team, and Jordan Poole could have that. I think the Wiseman element is not to be underlooked here. So I have a question then. Maybe 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 I'm reading this wrong, but why didn't you put Jordan Poole in this position from the beginning? What was the whole Brad Wanamaker thing about in the first place? How could they possibly trust Jordan Poole after last season? I mean, let's How could you trust him now? Because he well, balled in the G League. Well, no, he played better in the in uh, on uh, yeah. Nah, he played he played well in the off season. They raved about him, and also he was a completely different player with the ball in his hands last season. But he has played better at the NBA level this season. In the NBA games, he's played better as well. It's not just. I mean, he uh, he had an Ubre esque slump. Uh, it is for a season, and that doesn't mean that you write him off forever, but I, I understand it. Hey, I would put it this way, Marcus. Nobody was questioning it. Nobody was saying definitively, Brad Wanamaker, no way that guy is as good as Jordan Poole. If that person exists, apart from maybe Marcus, who was that person? It makes sense to me. I, I get it. <laughs> I spent part of the offseason saying they needed to get a veteran point guard because you couldn't go into the season wanting to make the playoffs with Jordan Poole as your only backup point guard. Now they signed Wanamaker. Wanamaker wasn't bad last season. That's you know They were counting on that Wanamaker. It's like they're, they were counting on that Oubre. I'm not saying that part is wrong. I'm saying... What Slater is saying, you got to develop Wiseman. You got these youngsters on the rock. Why are you going to get a dude who is not going to be part of your team in the future? I'm not saying don't get a backup point guard. I'm saying get somebody who's a three- or four-year backup point guard. If he's good, and if he's as good as a lot of people thought he is, maybe he's one of those veterans, those strength-in-number veterans, those Sean Livingston types, and you have them in an increasingly reduced role, but they they needed vets, man. This is a very young team. They needed people, and so it made sense to me. I think it was a smart signing superficially, but, man, teams might have to stop dealing with the Celtics. It seems like Brad Stevens is good at putting guys in the exact role that they need, and you hear a lot about guys leaving the Celtics and getting worse, uh, joining the Celtics and getting better. You know, I talked to people around Boston because it was a surprise to a lot of people there that you know they renounced his rights. You know, they, they stripped away his qualifying offer, and a lot of people there are like, man, that was like a rotation guy on a pretty thin team and the word the the rumblings i got were the front office didn't want to give brad stevens the want to make her choice because they felt brad stevens would go to that over younger guys and they wanted to see if some of their younger guys that they drafted you know this is very similar to a jordan pool situation with steve kerr could flourish without the choice of want to make her now you know there's a there's a downside to that boston has a really bad depth right now it's it's why they're not having a great season a lot of their younger players are either injured or not playing well so it's a give and take but you're right in a sense i i don't know like he's just not hitting open threes like he hit in open catch and shoot threes like he hit for boston and i don't know that that's like a system thing that's just like the guy's in like a deep slump he's shooting 42 percent from two yeah i mean and and in between the 20s from three it's just it's and, it, you know, we talk about the Ubre. Oh, my God, how long can they go with this? And then he snapped out. Of it. I mean, it, it was a month or whatever it was. 
and that balanced. It's Wanamaker, as Kerr does keep referring, does have a less ability to change it. He's got six minutes a half to do it. And, you know, that's three shots and you're 0 for 3, you're out and you're, that's what you are. So, but that's the life of a backup point guard. That's the life of, of a guy that's supposed to lead the second unit. If you can't do it in those six minutes, you've just failed. I don't know how much longer they can. Maybe they've already decided they can't go with it any longer or they're going to at least give Poole a look at it. But I think the, you know, the equation wasn't bad in the offseason. Like, there's nothing that Jordan Poole had done for sure that made them say that, they don't, that he can lead the second unit. Brad Wanamaker had a career record that seemed like he could be pretty decent on a decent second unit. It hasn't panned out that way. You make a flip. That's why you want depth on your roster. I don't think a lot of us, except for Marcus, figured that Jordan Poole was depth on this, was meaningful depth on this roster. But he maybe he is. And then, by the way, they got Nico Mannion at some point. You know, not Nico this season, Mannion shouldn't season, just though. be glossed over here. They like what he's he did down there in Orlando, and he is he's more of a pure point guard than Poole. Now, I personally think I think we all agree they need more playmaking on that second unit and, and pool has a bit more particularly scoring playmaking and you know he was a first round pick nico Manion's on a two-way so from what i've heard they're going to be available in portland i don't think they're practicing in la today because i believe they have to pass a couple days of testing i'm curious if like kerr just throws them right out there i mean they have obviously are in a basketball rhythm they've been playing lately but i mean i, I i'm curious to see what that second unit looks like against portland and phoenix I think we're just going to be put in the position of Warriors apologists for a while, just because of the mood, at least of the Twitter, the Twitter version or the uh, online version of the fan base. I do think it's a little bit, it's a little bit ornery. They're very smart. They remember everything. They remember everything anybody ever said, and they are coming down from this emotional high of the dynasty uh, into what they are now because, and am I right this? I, I think it's mostly positive this season. I think they're ahead of expectations, but if I read the online experience of how the team is critiqued, it is a different perspective. It's a lot of anger over how LaMelo is doing um, and players coming up short, certain offseason moves. It seems like it's in a very hypercritical place, or am I wrong in reading it that way? You Shouldn't you take your own advice and not take Twitter too serious? No, I, I, mean, I, like, I think it's... Like, there it's are smart to... people on Twitter, don't get me wrong, and, and, and it, sh- it should be informed of, like, what's the, the thought of the fan base, but at the same time, like, Twitter is just, like, a fever pin. Like at all, and I'm not talking. I'm not talking I mean, about. But Lamelo is balling though. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, is, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. We could get to that. We can. I, I, yes. I mean, like for sure. But I just mean in general, and I'm not just talking about Warriors. Like Twitter in general is a fever. And I made sure to say online because it's hard to know how everybody feels, right? But it's just interesting because that's a lot of where the conversation is and what it is. And I don't think that we. I don't think we want to be in the position of being apologists but i i think it's it's a tough thing to critique because they are middling they are literally in between right so it's very much a glass half full versus half empty analysis and natural contrarian that we sometimes can be if everybody is uh just angry and it's it's probably in between it's very easy to go uh, i don't know if it's so bad i think you need to take a deep breath and i think you need to have some patience perhaps well, that's the reaction to the reaction there. Uh, <laughs> you know, at some point where I land on this is you do need to have a kind of a through line the way you think about your team if you're running a team. This is what we think about our players. You can adjust it, but you can't just go, these five games suck, so we got to change. These five games are great. That's how we're always going to do it. You have to believe in what, you know, your evaluation, their evaluation, 
this season was they're going to be, you know, they're going to try to win as many games as they can, but they're not going to win a championship. So every decision is kind of made. One-year deals for Ubre and Wanamaker. Good thing they didn't sign a three-year deal with Wanamaker. You know, fiddle around, try to get to the sixth, fifth seed, whatever they, you know, the top they could get, but do nothing that that jeopardizes their future next season. Now, this is a Curry prime year. We didn't know it would be. So there's heightened you know, expectation. I understand that. I hear that from fans. I sometimes think that myself. But also, it doesn't mean you push all in to get, what, the four seed? It doesn't mean you burn everything you, you thought of. And their decision was James Wiseman was the right pick. It might not turn out that way. I agreed with it at the time. I think LaMelo Ball was another guard on a team that has two $40 million guards. I don't know that you get as much out of that as, you, as, you, as a team like Charlotte could. But it might end up being their totally wrong decision. You can imagine LaMelo leading the second unit on this team. If he would be happy doing that, we'll see. But it would be a totally different feeling. It wouldn't make them a championship team, though. Wiseman may or may not make them a championship team, plus all the other things we're talking about. But I think the, where I come from is the Twitter thing that I react to or the you know the Andy Lou and all that. That's fine. I understand it. It's passion. I know that's what Ethan's responding to. But it's also... Andy my <laughs> yeah, but my sense is I feel like that he they, gets pretty regular yeah, shout outs on this podcast. Yeah, it, it does. It's Ethan, it's me, it's whatever. Because yeah. he's very entertaining. But I mean, it's that's... also <laughs> the moment. It's the moment in the moment, in the moment, in the moment, which is fine. That's Twitter. You can't think like a, about your team that way. It can't be in the now. The worst teams do think like that. The 49ers thought like that for like four years. But this is not what quality teams you don't build championship teams based on the moment the impulse oh my god we got to do something fire this guy bring that it's it, it has to be the long view and that's what i react to sometimes the wrong the wrong view the long view is the wrong view but it's still consistent and that's how you build something well kelly Oubre is a good example i i certainly wanted him out of the starting lineup um it was a historic historic shooting slump and i mean he's just Yes, the shots are going in, but he's also just a completely different player. He almost seems to be getting it and picking things up. And to flip from this guy can't see any minutes, he is completely submarining the team, which he was to, man, maybe they should just pay a, a king's ransom to keep him on for uh, subsequent years. It's been quite the reversal. It's it's incredible. Another thing that, that I think matters in, you know, when you're talking about the moment, the moment, the moment. NBA teams really only like there's really two times to remake your roster over a calendar year. I mean, obviously, yes, you could make a trade right now if you want to, but really, it's trade deadline. That's when monumental decisions need to be made. That's when they finally decided Russell for Wiggins. Let's make that big, you know, seismic move. And then it's just that little chunk of time on the calendar that's draft and free agency when they're right next to each other. Like that's when you make your remake your roster in the offseason, and the trade deadline is when you do it during the season. So, like this idea that like you know why haven't they made the move why haven't they gone all in it's like you know if they decide that's the right thing that'll be a trade deadline decision or an off-season decision that's not just like a oh they lost to the lakers to, to move to 19 and 16 gotta do it now and, and that that's like what matters here is like those are always the two times one thing i do want to talk about and we we've haven't talked about wiseman exactly for a while he's been out and he's just got back in last few games any reassessment on him I, i've said i like the pick i liked what he does he's different but man, there are times I have to say where he doesn't look so good and he bobbles three passes a game. And I, I just had, again, this is a tough way to grade him. But were you watching Zion last night? And, you know, totally different player, but young, you know, didn't have a lot of games in college either. 
he like pulls balls out of like some they're in in a rebound goes up he just pulls it out of somebody else's hands comes down goes back up it's two every time he goes at the rim hard and you can't get an angle on him He's not, you know, he's not hasn't had three years in the league. This is his second year in the league. You could just go, okay, Wiseman's not going to be as good as Zion Williamson. That's not a terrible thing to say. Zion Williamson might become the best big man in the league very soon. But you could just see some of the things that Wiseman is missing. Just that kind of like stop, you know, at the post, turn, assess, two dribbles in past somebody no matter what. Wiseman maybe does, maybe he's falling out of bounds and the ball's off his leg. Those are things I think can be analyzed and should be analyzed, even though he's 19, even though he does a lot of good things. There are some things I think that have put a ceiling on him for now, and the hands and the kind of stability on the poster I think are two big ones. I think the hands are the easiest one, to be honest. I, I feel like that could be fixed. The part that's most troubling is this physical contact thing that he just – he doesn't like the contact, but the part that I don't think, even if you're 19, you know, like you just know how to play and where to be. And he spends a lot of time like confused, like not, I don't, it Floating doesn't matter what spaces. level, yeah, it doesn't matter what level you are or how old you are. If you're a big man and a guard drives, you swat the ball. Like that's not. You don't need to be 25 with five years in a league to know that. And he is very easily manipulated by what people are doing. Like, if you step left and you want to go right, all you do is like, if I fake this way, I know he's going to go flying that way. And I'm open up to the right. So that little, I kind of don't know what I'm doing and I'm trying to read everything. And he just looks confused a lot. And that's the part that's probably most unnerving to me is like, this is the type of stuff where I don't know how fast you can get a hold of it. You know, just like, it's a lot. He just sometimes out there, he looks like, and then he starts getting on himself. You can see him getting frustrated, you know, going off on Brad for not throwing it up because <laughs> he, he didn't catch a pass right in his, in, his, in, his, in his chest. So it's just like, you can see him getting frustrated, but it's a lot, man. He Like, if you threw him in a, in a pickup game, I wonder if he'd be the same way, like, you're you're playing like you he played against the light you played against marcus saw and he's just a he's just a yo-yo out there they're making him do whatever whatever they want him to do they're making him do it because he doesn't have the feel for how to just play basketball and that that part is unnerving it's all born of the same thing in a way where the hands thing it seems like it's an unwillingness to just enter the fray and there's that reluctance. There's that tentative aspect where he's processing. He's just not reaching out and just yanking it out of wherever it is. It does feel that way sometimes where it's it's tentative. It's just tentative. That's what it seems like. Some of it reminds me a little bit of a young Serge Ibaka from the, you know, on the Thunder from the processing like station to station, particularly offensively type stuff. But I mean, Serge was obviously a much more natural shot blocker at that age. But what's weird about Wiseman is like, you're like, man, no natural feel, no natural feel. And then suddenly he makes a move that looks very polished. Unbelievable, like, right? Yeah. Like spin move, dunk, <laughs> yes. and you're like, what? Yes. Like, what? What is that? His per 36 numbers would say this guy's a is a future superstar. Well, that's the crazy part. He does give you some production despite all of it. 
Well, Nate Nate Duncan was saying it on Ethan's podcast the other day. If he is just catching the ball, like his numbers are ridiculous. We and then we watched the Hornets game together, and and we counted five bobbles that should have been buckets, particularly because the way the Hornets were defending was terrible in that game. But and it's like if he did that, I believe he had sixteen points in sixteen minutes. He would have had twenty six points in sixteen minutes if he was if he's just snatching dunking. We know once he does get the snatch, he's pretty easily dunking the ball. But it's like so the bobbles matter, and then yeah, I mean just. The natural feel, and again, it, it's this is going to be a test on if you have a willing participant and the you know athlete that Wiseman is that wants to learn as much as he does. Can you teach feel? We're going to learn that over the next few years. He is massive. That spin move he had for a dunk uh, a couple games back, where you just don't see players do that because after the spin, he's rising up from the dunk in, a, in an area you usually associate with a layup or a floater. And it's, oh, he's right there. And I don't know how to project all of it. I don't know how to project when the light bulb turns on, if the light bulb turns on, uh, because as Slater is saying, if he can, if he can just catch the ball, if he can just catch the ball, he's just a remarkable offensive weapon. And then we worry and talk about the defensive aspect as well. So he is an idiosyncratic player, a very hard player to assess and analyze is my, is my take on him. So, I mean, I know this is crazy to think since he's the number two pick, but should he have gone to the G League bubble? <laughs> uh, if the stuff we're it, talking yeah. about is just like unlimited opportunity and game reps and play and play and you know, like I mean, I know they couldn't do it, right? You can't send the number two pick down, but I think he would have dominated there in a you know, and maybe it wouldn't have been as beneficial because it wouldn't have been hard and some of the well, things but it build that, his confidence. Yeah, I guess <laughs> like, so Damian right, Jones. At least I know I'm a, yeah, They're too thin those, at center. Yeah, and they do need yeah, him to they, play. They can't do you know? it. Yeah, and yeah. they want him to play with Steph and, and Draymond. They want him to get those reps uh, when he can. But it's not a bad point. I like theoretically, it would have helped him just go run up and down and be your good self and get those college games you, that you didn't get uh, in a in a more controlled setting. But they need him. They're going to play. And listen, I and he my produces. He produces. He does. Yeah. And my under and he hasn't been a terrible drag on them. It's, it He's just helped them win games. Him. He's helped yeah. them win random games this year. He's also and notice that Kerr games. went with him and not Looney in a couple rotations when he would bring Looney back. Looney does it, and he's six years into his career. <laughs> like catch the ball, Looney. He like, does catch ball, but catch ball, but he can't. Fin- yeah, he can't. Yeah, finish it's the either. finish. It's the finish. Yeah. Looney's career high is fifteen points. By the way, I looked that up the other day. I do believe my understanding is that they're intent on playing Wiseman even a little bit more. Like, they're just going to play. That doesn't mean they're going to do it every single time. If he's terrible, maybe not. But I think they're, they're thinking part of the get him in the second unit is make sure he gets 12 minutes. We know there's 12 minutes that he's going to get, and it might be more than that. Their intent is not to go away from, from Wiseman at all. It's to, in fact, play him more and kind of live through some of this and hope that it's just more natural for him. He picks it up as he goes, and sometimes he's going to go for 15 and 10 just because he has that kind of talent, and maybe that just continues to go and go, and he just gets a rhythm in the NBA game, which I think we're all saying he just does not have right now. They need to get his brain as ready as possible for next season, and to me that's not in the G League. That's getting Marcus yeah. Owens. That's getting yeah. Nikola Jokic post. Getting the, schooled, you know, right? Getting your yes, hat exactly. handed to you. Yep, yep. Exactly. And Marcus, remember when he got benched and we were all on here like, hey, you know, is that should they have done that? And you were like, look, they need to see him handle this. And I think that's the same. They need to see him go through these struggles. Now, what has definitely materialized and where I think the LaMelo ball stuff does matter is that 
Lamelo Ball looking like a uh, you know a young superstar in the making heaped a bunch of pressure on James Wiseman, and, and it's a guy who's clearly already in his head a little bit. I mean, we're talking about the frustrations on the court that he's showing and how quickly he wants it to come and it's not coming. Like if this top three went as we all presumed it was, which was Edwards kind of struggling like he's struggling. Obviously, he has the highlight moments, but he's overall having a very inefficient year, like we all thought. And if Lamelo was who we all you thought don't he love was, basketball by bringing that stuff up. You don't <laughs> love no, who? No, no, no. no. <laughs> You can't experience joy. You're unable to experience joy. If LaMelo was having just, you know, the flash moments, the great passes, but in general he was shooting, let's say, 29% on a lower volume of threes. He wasn't really helping Charlotte win. And he just looked like, you know, an intriguing young player, but, you know, still like for sure a normal rookie. I don't like this. We wouldn't be so fiercely discussing Wiseman, I don't think. But because LaMelo looks like a potentially a big missed opportunity, suddenly it's like, you know, you better show something quick, James. You better show something quick. And I feel like, you know, I don't know. We're not around nearly, you know, obviously because it's the Zoom world. But it does seem like just the, the immediate and growing pressure does seem to be getting to him a little bit. Mm, that's interesting. Let's see. Let's see what the reaction is to. I mean, I, you know, that's. Part I mean, he of the, did you know. meet the go through the draft process with them guys, right? Like, so he's been linked with those guys for a while. So there's no way he's not watching them, right? There's no way he's not paying attention to how they're doing. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. What did you think of Draymond the other day tweeting out LaMelo Ball is a problem? (laughs) That's uh, not helpful. I, I think maybe he did it without any sort of sense. Maybe it's or, part of it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's tough love. Yeah, maybe some motivational tactic. This guy's a problem. Maybe you should become a problem or we have a problem. Maybe that's what that is. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and this is something I would love to ask a guy like, Mar- you know, and again, a lot of these guys won't answer, but I would love to ask a guy like Marvin Bagley or, a, you know, like how much did Doncic's rise matter you know early in your career how much did you think about it or for example uh, like trey young you know like that was such a storyline storylines follow you know high draft picks you got you got, got lloyd pierce fired <laughs> i've got another take too which is you know maybe we should also consider that this is a very strange season to be a rookie and there are no fans we might not know what these guys are really going to look like when things are actually normal i think obviously there's a lot of pressure and we're very much in the moment, but we're also, we need to step back and just look, this isn't even the real NBA as we know it. This is like big time summer league. So it's, it may be just patience. Patience is good. Ethan's theory that the bubble play might not translate is looking pretty good right now. I will tell you that. Now, some of it does. Tra- I mean, Damian Lillard being great in the bubble translates. Devin Booker being great in the bubble probably translates. Jamal Murray probably Jokic, that bubble thing was still different. Yeah, People yeah, were going on Luka's, like Luka's a number one player. And it's like, well, he might he might well get there. Tyler Hero. I mean, you know, I mean, there's... There, it just was different. There wasn't travel. There weren't crowds. You know, it just it was a theater game. It wasn't certainly wasn't NBA, a normal playoffs. Yeah, certainly exactly. was. the lack of crowds. I do wonder, and we can ask more questions about Wanamaker because it does seem like the shooting 
is unbelievable in some of these settings with no people watching. And for some reason, Wanamaker and Ubre for a huge segment of the season went the exact opposite direction. They need a crowd. Yeah. yeah. But I do think a lot of these guys play better. It's a, I mean, that's what makes it scary. That's one of the things that makes it scary is when there's 20,000 people watching you. And if you're in a gym that's basically empty, it's a, it's a different situation. What if it's like being at the free throw line on a tech, like by yourself, you know, it's harder. They don't like that. Yeah, for some like people that. to shoot yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. But can't you want Wanna Maker now with a full crowd of Warriors fans every time it put up a three? <laughs> oh. <laughs> ah, no, no, no. Uh, it would be tough. It would be tougher for him. But and it hasn't been and it hasn't been easy for him anyway. So I think yeah, this is a different kind of basketball. But you have to just judge it in relation to everybody else. You can't just say it. You know, some things do matter. And the Wiseman thing is going to be fascinating. It's just going to be a fascinating judgment throughout their all their careers. Again, I think we all think he's got an enormous potential and he's really interesting. But there are some things. Again, when I saw Zion, I just went, there are things that Zion does that I don't know that, that Wiseman is ever going to be able to do. Just that decisiveness, just that feel like, this angle, I'm going to go left. You know I'm going left, and I'm still going to get left. But he's got a feel for the game, too. And again, you know, sometimes he doesn't look great, but, man, he's got a feel for the game, that guy. Yeah, he passes well, too. You know, Wiseman will have – again, it's this odd thing where you see it in bursts where Wiseman's had some nice – he had like a transition pass to Wiggins at one point, and he's had a couple nice reads. But in general, if he's touching it, he's shooting it. You see the lack of feel, but then, again, it's like this – he's turned then into he the matrix the for break, eight seconds right? yeah, and you're like yeah. whoa he like <laughs> understands all of it what is that? can we get some more three pointers by the way because if he's going to maybe struggle with some of these things i want to see the thing that he is take that over the the 22 footer like at least step all the way back he needs to get rid of that shot completely like just don't take it you know the thing that i the think uh, is the post-ups are yeah, super inefficient post-ups are not that's what but i'm saying like if you're if you're guarding him you can essentially make him do what you want to do. Like he like like TK is saying, like when Zion wants to go left, he's going left. When you want Wiseman to go left, you can make him go left. Right. You you can kind of manipulate him just because he's still learning all that stuff. But the 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 part that like the reason I think LaMelo is standing out because some of the things that people thought he couldn't do, like he's doing them. That's the that's the, the the concerning part. Like, yeah, the thing we thought Anthony Edwards couldn't do, he yeah, he can't do it, right? He's inefficient. That's exactly what we thought. He'd be a volume shooter. Even Wiseman, the things that, you know, we thought he couldn't do, like, they're real. Like, he's 19. He's got to learn how to play. But LaMelo was supposed to not be able to shoot, you know, couldn't score. Is he up to 37% from three LaMelo is? This, is? this is crazy. 80. He's over 80. 80%, yeah. It's just like, okay, if he's figured that out already, like you presuming everything goes up from, from this point on for all these guys. But it's like, that's the part where it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> if he's conquered that already, that's unnerving. You know, and Lamelo's been great all season, there's no question. But I was really impressed last of the game against the Warriors. They're down. They're not going to win that game. I think they got within five or whatever it was. But he was fighting. I mean, that's the stuff I think Draymond really admires. It's like he was like single-handedly fighting the Warriors to try to get back in that game. And he was almost doing it. And, you know, just all over the court, stealing the ball, going, you know, leading the break. 
that's the stuff that makes you think this guy at 19 years old at 22 he's going to be something like he might be something next season he's something right now but he can really be something and you don't again big men are different they're they're not you know it's not in their who they are it's not in their game to just take over like that but that's the stuff you don't always see from Wiseman and from Edwards I think you see it just when he's dunking more often than anything LaMelo just has that I am going to control this game right now this is going to be me and i'm going to fight you tooth and nail i'm going to try to steal every pass i'm going to try to knock the ball out of your hands i'm going to rebound everything and i'm going to go up court i'm going to hit a three like those are things that impress other players i know draymond loves it about luca like luca's gonna i'm gonna get, give me the ball we're going to win and man lamello's got that he's got all of that his hands are so fast like his hands in his mind there was a and he's long he's like you know he's fast yeah he's, he's not long. little at yeah, all yeah. there was a play in the war the game against the warriors where the ball was fed back he passed it in can't remember to who uh, a big like along the baseline and then the big passed it back to him and it just it almost just got slapped back to the big before you could even think about it uh and it worked and it's just he just sees the game it's kind of crazy yeah and i mean you guys would agree with what i was saying earlier then that this changes the conversation for wiseman you know what i mean and fair or unfair look if the mellow ball is having a disappointing season again just the season we probably presumed he would we're probably not even having this long a discussion about James Wiseman on the podcast. We're probably just saying, you know, hey, you know, all these top three rookies are going through their rookie struggles. But the fact that LaMelo's done this is it's just ratcheted up the volume on Wiseman at a time where he where we all know he's not ready for it, but it's just made it so we have to talk about it as much. And I'm not so critical of it because I obviously didn't see this LaMelo thing coming that he would be a better NBA player than NBL player, but that's just how it goes. If the guy you didn't pick turns out to be great, then everybody's going to shit on you and, and mock you. That's how it goes. I don't know. Johnny fair. Flynn had a fine career. <laughs> never suffered one moment for that. There was yeah. no well, incriminations you know. there. <laughs> Twitter wasn't around then, though. <laughs> <laughs> or just, it was just, it was just when it started. Just it just started. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. It's yeah. a cruel world. And I think some of it is false. I think there's this weird impression that the only reason the Warriors didn't draft LaMelo Ball is because Steve Kerr is ornery or something like that. I, I don't think that's the case. I think a lot of it is evident. And if you just watched uh, what he was doing in the uh, in Australia and just uh, the inability to do these things that he has the ability to do now. And I think it's a tremendous credit to LaMelo that he's played so well in the NBA. But ultimately, fairness isn't really what this is going to be about. It's just it is what it is. If he turns out to be a superstar, you're going to be mocked. That's just how it goes. And it's going to be James Wiseman's development. That That's what, that, I mean, we've talked about this endlessly from the moment they drafted him. This season, in large part, was going to be about James Wiseman finding himself moving towards being able to be a solid to good to possibly great NBA center. It wasn't going to happen this season. Now, Steph Curry kind of took this on his own. Like I didn't realize it was going to be about the Steph Curry renaissance, but that's Pretty good for the Warriors when Steph Curry decides, hey, a reminder, I'm still one of the three best players in the league. Uh, but, which has changed the tenor of this a little bit again, and I get that. James Wiseman, whether or not he can be a star player in this league is is what the, the future of the Warriors is largely about. It's also about the Minnesota pig. It's also about Draymond and Clay, all those other things. But man, what we're seeing in this season, the significance is James Wiseman, and that's why we're talking about it. And the Lamella Ball adds, you know, underlines it. No question, no question. By the way, um, our Shams Serenia just 
reported that the NBA and the NBPA are planning to eliminate the 50-game limit for two-way contracts this season. So Nico Mannion is off the reins. Well, He's he was unlimited. Ready. Oh, my bad. Was, Dang. Yeah. We're past that? Oh, okay. <laughs> no limits. Nico Mannion every game now. Uh, but that th- this definitely affects uh, Juan Toscano-Anderson, right? I don't think they were too worried about that, but yeah, they don't have to worry about it at all now. This eases the, the pressure on them. It, they can go through the trade deadline, figure out where they want their roster to be. And then if they just decide, look, they want to give Smiley Geach another you know, summer in their program, then they could just go into the playoffs. And at this point, what Shams is reporting is that they could just play, you know, JTA's on the roster for the rest of the season. Oh, the two ways are, gonna, are available. Yeah, oh, that's, that's that's Shams wow. reporting that, wow. that the two ways will be eliminated or the 50-game limit will be eliminated and that they'll be eligible in the playoffs. So he's essentially is on the roster for the full season. And then, you know, you have his rights on a two-way, and, and you could talk about putting JTA on the roster this offseason, but it just doesn't force you to cut Smiley Geese. Now, we could have the argument. Is that? I didn't see that. Oh, he he's, followed it up. Okay. Got yeah, it. yeah, it said, and to allow two-way players to be eligible for wow. the playoffs. Wow, wow. This is the smile each rule, basically. This is because everybody knew the big decision was coming up on the Warriors, and we cannot put them through that crucible. The smile each must be on the roster no matter well, what. Well, this allows them to, if they decide they do want to cut smile each, um, you, you, you have another roster spot for a vet. You know what I mean? You don't have to then put JTA into that spot. So it's helpful. It's a helpful uh, ruling. You think they're going to use a DP, disabled player? Um, you know, depends on who's available. You know, PJ Tucker's not having a good season in Houston, and he was kind of. Is anybody there. in Houston having a good season? John Wall's having a nice little <laughs> story there. The center that Barkley doesn't know his name was, was Christian, Christian Wood. Wood. Yeah, there, right? he, he but back? then he like hurt his. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's, been a, yeah he's, he's a good player though. Yeah, and you know, and what would what would yeah what would what would PJ Tucker really do for? The, I mean, I, I like him a lot, but you could, you couldn't. It only be for the rest of the season. You know, play small ball, be a little more dangerous in the playoffs, you know, possibly not. I get it. I, I don't know that they would do that. He would be the only thing I could, the only player I think they could possibly consider I hadn't for checked in on Houston in a while. They're, they're 0 for their last 10. Oh. <laughs> Yikes. Not good. Not yeah, good. it's been a struggle. It's been they a lost struggle. by 49 oh to Memphis Silas. the other day. 49-point loss in Memphis the other day. The Grizzlies bench cumulatively outscored the entire Rockets team. Yeah, that's a rough one. Uh, so what do they need then? Like Who, the Warriors? Uh, they, or yeah. they need playmakers, man. No, Warriors. Yeah. They need to figure out what Pool is. They need G League Jordan Pool to be NBA Jordan Pool. That's what they need. They need him to to burst score off the bench and run some pick and rolls, pick and pops with Wiseman, uh, Pascal even right. Pascal can could do some of that too. Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, what Ethan's saying is right. They don't need him to be high volume nightly score but they just need more dynamism in that second unit right i mean that second unit is just lacking is there an existential question can they ever get that at andrew wiggins isn't that what he was supposed to do i mean and i understand i'm the one who keeps saying never expect things out of wiggins like it's so much better if you just put him out there and he gets can't 16. Yeah, yeah. you can't get 30 but, million dollars yeah, i know exactly and nothing. you're putting him on a second unit and, and some of this is like hey go do something this is your time to get six shots off but instead it's eric pascal going one-on-one and i give pascal credit he does it he he tries to do something sometimes successfully sometimes not Wiggins just doesn't do it sometimes, like literally nothing. Can you ever get that out of him? Is there a way, is there a, co- is there a combination of things you can do to say, Andrew Wiggins, we really need six shots from you in this moment? 
He's the third or fourth guy that when the first and second guy leaves, he doesn't go, well, now I'm the first guy. He's like, ah, I just kind of want to be the third guy. That's just him. And and he's good. Like, he, you know, he fits his role with the Draymond-Steph units, and he doesn't really fit his what should be an upsized role in the second unit. And that's just him. He's not the leader of an offense. So at this point, I, I wouldn't rely on him to be. I would look for it. You know, I would try to find something else to run that second unit through. Yeah, that, but I'll just say that is, and I, I agree with you absolutely. But it is a that's a hole in that second unit when you, nah, you Marcus, can't, yeah, 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 when you got thirty He's million dollar 30 player, million dollars, yeah. and you are a yeah, but we one know the context pick. around that. Yeah, but, but, you, you but are, now you sound and, like Minnesota, right? You're the number one overall pick at 30 no million. Question, That's no the question. team that gave him all that. No, but they were saying deliver our franchise into the into winning ways, into contention. That's a lot different than yo. Can you go get 10 points with the second unit? Like at some point, he's got to meet a bar, right? You can't just say there. There'll be no bars. There'll be no bars. His, to his bar. His bar was you know, replace D'Angelo Russell and be a better fit. And he's done that. And bring a first round first overall pick with you. Hopefully. But isn't good. part of that the secondary playmaker, secondary score? That was part of replacing Russell. They can't say, hey, can you be Terry Rozier for a little bit? You know, I mean, you could be somebody like that. But no, I I he can't I'm agreeing they with Slater that. here. Yeah, I'm agreeing with Slater. But it is okay for people to say at some point, he's got the talent to do this. Like, he does have the talent to do this. It's just not in him to tap it more than once a week. You know, it's it's okay to acknowledge that, but also it would be unfair to continue to expect that out of him and, and to try to build anything out of it because this is not going to happen. He just needs to keep playing defense like he's playing. You know, he, he's a key perimeter piece of a top five. He's got to shoot the three a little it. better than he did uh, recently. Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously you'd want him to do that. But, you know, you know what matters? The Minnesota Timberwolves are 7-28. and 28. <laughs> There is no other Western Conference team. Even the Houston Rockets, who have lost 12 in a row, are 11-22. and 22, And they're the next closest. So the Timberwolves have a – they're out in front for worst record in the league right now. And they're running away with it with, with a new coach who, you know, with how that situation went down, Russell's Detroit, hurt. Detroit nine to 25, giving them a good yeah, run. There you go. There's a competition there. Minnesota's second best player this season. Malik Beasley's now suspended for the next 12 games. Yeah. That part of the, you know, Wiggins came along with that pick, which is, which is what really matters. I think again, I mean, it's gotta be pool Wiseman in the second year. Pascal too. Pascal's a better ISO scorer. And I agree with you. I'm just saying it is something when we're when we're talking about a second unit that has Andrew Wiggins on it, and we're talking about everybody else needing to do more, including Wanamaker, and, but not Andrew Wiggins. And again, I acknowledge the truth of what you're saying. I acknowledge the reality of his career, but it is something. I don't think it's acceptable, man. Like now, bro, you got to go get your. You got to no. You just can't do it. Part of what we're saying is he's got the talent. I mean, that's what it looks like. I mean, I know Wolves more, fans yeah, more than say Brad, more this. than Brad Wanamaker does. Then don't put him in a second unit. Then, like, it's, if it's that simple, swap him with Ubre or somebody, but don't put him in a second unit. Then, like, then you need to play that whole twelve minutes with Steph and play defense, right? Like, like well, he's fine in that second unit. He's just not like leading it. He's not just give put the ball in his hands. The reality is, I think they've tried to do that some. He's not efficient with that. Oh, we saw some of it. <laughs> we saw some of it where he, he tries to take the you know one on two fast break and he's sloppy it never, with the dribble. Was, he doesn't yeah, dribble yeah. well in traffic. Now you know what? Okay, I'll give you guys this. I think they could post him up a bit more, particularly when there's smaller guys on him. He does seem to have that that nice like you know 
one, two dribble back in little like hook shot when he gets close. Sure, do a little bit more of that, but I just wouldn't roll it out there and say, here, put the ball in his hands. Like just go for six minutes, go off. I'm mostly looking at it as the Warriors are uh, ahead of expectations defensively. What were they ranked defensively last year? I mean, can we be honest though? I mean, they're ahead of expectations defensively, but they're not a top five defense. When they're playing good teams, that defense isn't a top five defense. They're not shutting teams. I down mean, like it's the that. modern NBA, so yeah, it is a top five defense. The problem I mean, is, it yeah, look cumulatively, like one it's a top five defense. It's not like the previous defense that was like ranked eleven, but when they needed to be top five, they but, could be. But top But they five. went from tied for twenty fifth to now top five right now. I mean, that's an incredible leap, and I think it sometimes gets taken for granted because we all think about offense, we watch offense, fans enjoy offense, but to make that leap, I mean. Just imagine how bad they would be. Just imagine how bad they would be overall if they were still had last year's defense. They have better defensive players. You know, Ubre is a better defensive player than anything they had last season at the wing. Draymond being, you know, mostly in the lineup, mostly very good, uh, changes it as opposed to last season. Steph's playing good. I mean, like we talk about, I mean, Steph's playing good defense too. Like for, for, certainly at an elevated level from where he was early in his career. So yeah, they should Moody's be better. Slightly well, and I'm saying that Wiggins, and I'm yeah. saying that Wiggins is part yeah. of that. And, yeah, no question, no question. And I think that it, it's easy to take for granted sometimes. I never thought that he would be a generator of offense. I think he is very much like Harrison Barnes. And that means when Clay comes back, I see him fitting in really well to what they do. Just hit open shots when the ball comes to you. And he won't have as much of a burden. So I like a lot of what I've seen from Wiggins this season. The fact that he can be part of a defense that's performing well. And I think that there's not going to be too much demanded of him theoretically going forward to try to carry an offense because I just don't I just don't. But think that's it's literally what they're doing, though. <laughs> that's literally what they're doing. But they didn't know that Clay Thompson. No, would no. Now, when they yeah. came in, Steve has said it like, I want him to take over the second unit. We want him to go dominate the second unit. Clay's been out. Clay's been out since June. But they don't have anybody. They just don't have anybody other than maybe G League Jordan Poole who can do it. They just don't have it. So Wiggins is out there asked to do it because there's no other better option. What is it going to be? Is it going to be Ubre trying to do it? Uh, is it going to be Wanamaker? You know, it's just it's just a job that's fallen in. When Pascal suddenly had a weird like eight game stretch where he was just going off on these bigs. So yeah, I mean, and remember how, when he was doing that, I was like, whoa, this was a hole that they had that he's suddenly filling. And then now that he's struggling, it's just, yeah, it's a hole that Wiggins isn't going to fill. Like 30 million or not, like it's just not happening. Jonathan Kaminga is going to fill it next season. So <laughs> maybe Suggs drops. <laughs> one of those guys. There's going to be one of those guys at five. There's five really good players. That's some of the pressure on Wiseman over the next few months, right? I mean, like that, that could be where he could help if he could you know, make a little leap, but he's going to have to make the leap before he can help in that category. Yeah, y'all just giving out passes to people. Score 10 <laughs> points against second units. Um, that ends my podcast no, we're giving, experience. We're giving G Tuesday. League passes. Look, he's going to be good because he's good in a G League bubble. The G League bubbles everything. Andrew Wiggins is Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, no question. That's, no, no just, question. that's not is. true though. Like Andrew Wiggins can score. <laughs> uh, wait, I think. I, I, wait, points. wait. I think. I think that is very true. I think you can't. <laughs> I mean, he is. That. No. <laughs> I'm just saying the Andrew Wiggins, who is Andrew Wiggins, is literally a 20 point scorer per game. Not because you give him the ball, but it doesn't matter. Like we're so. saying, this dude can't score against second units. Is that really the conclusion we're making? That's what we're saying. The dude who averaged nineteen point five points for his career on forty four percent shooting, we're saying but not efficiently. Eh, he's not going to be able to. Nobody's asking for efficient. We're just asking for the buckets. 
Like you telling me, Andrew, it's it's an unreasonable thing to ask Andrew Wiggins to go score against backup players. I don't think that's unreasonable. This dude can score. He averaged 23-6, 21-8, points. Like that's not easy. That's not difficult to do. So I'm saying whether it's they need to switch the lineups, they need to work on a different offense or something, you can't just be like, eh, it's Andrew Wiggins. If you're asking him to do that, he's just going to leave a lot to be desired. He's going to have little, you know, three-minute clips at times where you're like, that's the Wiggins I want. Look, he that's just scored six points in three minutes. That's a very Minnesota answer, I would say. That's not, what I, that's not what you expect from a champion. Figure out another way. Like you said, post them up. Like, figure out other ways to do it. Don't just be like, he can't do it. Like, like put different lineup combination. Not to be all, we're not here to chase wins, but right now by, by a hair, Wiggins is averaging a career best true shooting percentage. I assume that's going to get better when he is flanked by more talent in the future. He's going to get, give you a big wing who can defend, who is very useful going forward. Whatever happens this season is whatever happens this season. I just don't think it matters that much in the grand scheme is what I'm saying. It's not. I'm just saying role. if you can't do it, then don't just put him with Steph in the first units. That's all I'm saying. You can ask him to do it, but he's miscast. And whatever option you have to do it is probably not going to be a good option just because of the roster. So then right we now. can't question the cast. Oh we yeah, can't we can't say, hey, don't can make do that. him that guy. Like that's what I'm saying. He's in the second unit because that's what they want him to do. So then either he does it and you figure out a way to make him do it or you don't put him there. Or you just say, you know what, they're going to put him out there. and, and Say and, that and with not... Brad Wanamaker then. Say it with <laughs> Draymond. Say it with everybody. Why not? <laughs> hey, hey, man, Brad Wanamaker is going to shoot 30% from the field. Well, I think they're saying they're generally saying they don't know that they, they don't they can never expect this out of Andrew Wiggins. They want it, but they're not going to expect it. They maybe expected it. When they made a trade, who knows? But at this point, they're putting in the second. You know why they're putting him in the second unit? Because Ubre is good with Steph and Draymond. That's why they're putting him in the second unit. That and Wiggins and, isn't a bad component of a second yeah, unit. It just yeah, it's just like he's not going to go get your buckets. But that's why they have Pascal initiating. That's why there there's some more pressure on Wanamaker. Listen, if Wiggins was balling out, there wouldn't be as much pressure on Wanamaker who can't make a shot because somebody else would be initiating the offense a little bit more. So if you're a water maker, aren't you saying that? Like, yeah, oh, oh yeah, at some point. But you know what? That's how life is. So I'm speaking up on behalf of Brad Wanamaker. Like, <laughs> you're speaking that. up that's on like... a behalf of every Minnesota fan in the year 2017. Like, I, look, know, I like Wiggins. I think Wiggins is good. I actually think Wiggins is better than what I think y'all saying this too cavalierly. Wiggins can score. I don't know if he feels comfortable enough. Are you Shaq on inside trying to? <laughs> try to fire him up to get him to live up to his potential through bullying. I think some of this is on Steve Kerr. Got to run a different, like, got to set him up better. I think it's some of it is line. Like, I think Wiggins. Well, they're changing the lineup. Of the teams. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm not talking crazy here. Like they see it too. But I'm just saying this idea that uh, whatever. There's a there's a whole huge component of the team that could just be eh, whatever i don't care this season next season for that's not how a championship operation works they they're not they're not, they're not gonna be a, a mediocre team with mindset because they're mediocre this year you're building wiseman you're building these youngsters with a championship mentality so you can't just be like that guy just doesn't have to have it. i disagree we have so much evidence that wiggins is not good when surrounded by guys you can't shoot or play make we've seen it for years that's my 
my point. My point is then don't put them with them guys. But we keep going in circles because there's no other. The point that we're making is okay. You're saying do it. it doesn't matter at all, right? Second unit, it doesn't matter. I'm saying don't put him there then. Well, I'm then saying you're going to put all the options Bazemore are bad. Like, all the options are Yes, put Bazemore in. Why would you set Wiggins up to get killed doing something he can't do? Yes, he's not getting absolutely. Killed. He's just like playing decent No, he's getting killed on the court. Shot. No, he's getting killed on the court. He's he's getting, he's losing killed. in lineups. He he's getting outplayed. The point we're making is Wiggins can't do it and whoever you're going to put in there probably can't do it other than maybe G League superstar Jordan Poole and oh, that's the no. entire thing. I mean that's 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 the thing. I mean that's just what it is. There's no other there's no other option. I fundamentally disagree with there's no other option. That's number 1. Number 2, you're saying you can't keep him with the first unit, maximize the first unit. They're it, doing that with and Ubre. I'm saying, they decided why not switch? Because they tried that and they've decided that Ubre They've never tried sense. Wiggins the entire first quarter. They've never tried that. He's always been the second unit guy. Always. No, no, no. Ubre. No, they did Ubre try, no, they tried Ubre. Flipped. They did try Ubre. Yeah, they Ubre tried Ubre. That's what I'm saying. They haven't done that with Wiggins. This whole idea of, eh, whatever, it doesn't matter. I just don't think they operate like that or should operate like that. That's, that's ridiculous. You put them in position to succeed, period. I want to end us on a, on a prediction. In the next week or two weeks before our next podcast, Andrew Wiggins will have a nice stretch with the second unit where he scores that, let's say six, eight points in a, in a two-minute stretch. And Marcus Thompson will go on Twitter and, and, and try to uh, tell us how wrong we were. Uh, and he'll sound like a, a Minnesota Have I ever done that? Point. No, that ain't, that ain't how I roll, buddy. Uh, no, and, Marcus and, generally tells us on this podcast. In fairness yeah, to Marcus, I'm just yeah. saying, and because because he'll look like it, and but it, but he just won't consistently be it. That's just how I feel. I think it's okay to understand what he is and what the capabilities are, and as long as he is helping the defense and he seems like somebody who is going to help you win games when you have more talent than what they have, then ultimately, combined with the Minnesota pick, that's a win. You don't think his struggles on the second unit is impacting his minutes with the first unit? You think he's like switching it off and becoming a different person with the second unit? And you don't need that confidence and the and the swagger and the buckets on the first unit when Steph is in the game? Because if you watch that, that uh, Laker game, he wasn't giving you buckets in either. His shot has been broken. And I'm saying it's maybe part of that because... He's playing six minutes in the second unit. It's not like, hey, he could flip he the switch and now. He was doing that when he was shooting well. He was doing that when he was shooting well. He was I don't, doing I what? I kind of think he was playing with the second unit and while he was shooting well, too. You're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't, is what I'm saying. How, damned if how you do. So? Damned if you don't. Nah, I kind of th- just think Andrew Wiggins is going to be Andrew Wiggins at all times. So that's just how I feel. Except on defense, apparently. Well, he's going to be Andrew Wiggins. No, nah, no, nah, you just which... said he's a different player on defense than he was in Minnesota. So that part could change, but nothing else can possibly change about Andrew Wiggins. Except he'll be a great all-NBA defender. That'll be different, but the other part won't ever be different. I don't like, think he's an NBA defender. I think he's a solid I'm just saying, you know people were defense. talking about, oh, he's 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 playing I mean, he's playing great defense. Nobody said he would come and play great defense. On that thing, there's possibility for change. Anything else, there's no possibility. I got it. He's a 33% three-point shooter who's relatively inefficient, uh, is always going to score over 10 points, is never really going to score much over like 24 in a game. He's going to kind of sit in that. He's going to leave a lot to be desired because he gives you a few-minute stretches where he might look like he could take over for a second unit. But the reality is 
he's what seven eight years into his career it's just he he mostly is what he is this should just be a timberwolves podcast right now so (laughs) this is the timberwolves discussion steph curry on the court wiggins shoots 49 percent from the field steph curry off the court he shoots 41 percent from the field steph on the court he shoots around 38 percent from three steph off the court he shoots around 29 percent from three i think this is the big this is the big thing he's a complimentary player he's somebody who benefits from steph creating open shots he is not somebody who is going to create efficient open shots when Steph is not on the floor regardless I think of mentality so let's play him 12 minutes a game without Steph got it so you're just saying to pull him from the second unit entirely like that's not going to help the second unit I'm just saying at no point does the championship team say oh well this is just who he if he's not good at it and you don't think he's good at it you change literally what they you don't do. have Bradley Beal to just say, you know what? Okay, you know, like Wiggins doing it here. Bradley well, fine, Beal, you take over the second unit. Fine, then give up. What are we doing? Like, why are we playing? Per thirty-six <laughs> minutes, when Wiggins is with Curry, he's plus one point one. Without Curry, he is minus seven point two. I mean, it's but you're going to get these results with any guy. It's just it's the it's really we're talking about Steph without talking about Steph. Clay's numbers were exactly the same. Like they're very similar, and it just if you're with that second unit, you're going to get hurt because that second unit gets pummeled sometimes. And you know, I think they're just taking it. Like you don't put Ubre in there because Ubre is better. It's better for them to have more minutes with Ubre with Draymond and Steph. So who do you take out of that Draymond and Steph? You take Wiggins. Would he be better with Steph and Draymond? Yes. But you lose less in their minds if you put him on that second unit. It's it's debatable, and maybe it all. And changed. I'm debating yeah. it. Is yeah. all I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not. We're not just saying oh whatever. Like I'm debating it. I'm questioning it. Absolutely. They're changing that second unit, but part of the reason they are changing that second unit is I believe they've come to the realization that Andrew Wiggins is not going to be the primary guy in that second unit. He could be part of it. That's literally my point. So that's all he I'm could saying still be in like, it. He could still be in the five man combo. He can't be. I'm saying if he's in the position, like he has to produce. Otherwise, he doesn't be in the position. That, that's what I'm. Period. Interesting like, finding here is that Kelly Oubre, uh, his shooting does not seem to be impacted by Steph Curry, which. I think I'd lost track of that, but uh, Kelly Oubre with Steph on the court from the field, 43.8%. Steph off the court, 43%. Steph on the court, 28.5% from three. Steph off the court, 47.2% from three. Put Oubre over to second unit. What <laughs> the hell? Go. Not the way he's thriving with Draymond <laughs> Steph right now. I don't Put Oubre on the second unit. Like, <laughs> What is that? What the hell is that for Kelly Oubre? I mean, it's going to be his role next year anyway, right? If he stays with the team, like, is he going to be him and Clay, the second unit? Record this, send it to Minnesota. The Timberwolves fans will love this debate. All it's, right, it's we should debate over the years. So, all right, that's enough for today. We're getting that cue. So, uh, oh, look, you see Brian. <laughs> Our producer, Brian Smith, is like banging on the clock. We will holler at you in what, a couple of weeks? Yeah, skip the All-Star Week. We're, and we'll no back, All-Star back Week for Warriors Plus Minus. We'll be back when the team returns.